Welcome to the Sacred Dance. This podcast will aid you in finding balance in a polarizing reality. I'm your host, Annette Maria, purpose and feminine liberation coach, intuitive facilitator of healing, and channel. Exploring topics of spirituality, sexuality, healing, and the energetics behind it all. We are going deep into all that we experience on this human ride. All is welcome and nothing is off limits. You will experience conscious conversations with leading experts in the healing arts and channeled insights from me. It's time for life to feel like a sacred dance. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sacred Dance. Today, I'm here with the amazing Rachel Porman Matz, and she is the founder of Embodied Goddess, the co-founder of Fourth and Market, and also a best-selling author of I Am Worthy, A Remembrance and a Reclamation, and a beautiful author that came through Sanctuary Publishing. So welcome, Rachel, to the Sacred Dance. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. So let's open up the space with sharing a little bit more about you and your work. So can you tell us a little bit more about what is Embodied Goddess and who is Rachel? It's taken me the last 32 years of my <laughs> life, I just turned 32, to uh, figure out what it means to be an embodied goddess. And I came up with that name actually just a few months ago. I've been toying around with a lot of ideas to really fully kind of cultivate the work that I'm doing with humans and with women, especially. And finally, the embodied goddess came through and it, it feels just like perfect timing with the book um, out and the last chapter really being about me stepping into my queendom and my goddess and so it's really been, uh, it's like the theme of my year and it's the theme of my life now of really stepping into my full self as a woman. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And what type of work is done within that space? Yeah, so I teach weekly yoga classes at my husband and I's place called Fourth and Market, which is in um, Southeastern Ohio in our little historic downtown area. And I host yoga teacher trainings there each year as well. And I also teach international retreats. I've had a retreat in Mexico and a retreat um, in Belize and another one coming up in Mexico and then a retreat in Bali next year. So a lot of my work uh, is yoga related. Up until the writing of this book, I feel like I have branched a little bit out of the yoga world, even though there's a whole chapter that I still dive into a good bit of, of yoga stuff. But yeah, most of the work that I do is embodiment work with, within the practice of yoga. Mm, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So what brought you to the practice of yoga? Did it call to you or were you kind of... Um, just kind of pushed onto the path? What was that process like? I was a basketball player in college and anyone who has played or knows sports well knows that that is 
an all-consuming full-time job. And I think it was about my sophomore or junior year of college. I was just really starting to crave something that was still movement-based, but really more spiritual and mental based as far as practices go and movements go. And so I did a little bit of just reading, like I would read books about yoga and I would like do my own thing on my yoga mat in my dorm room. So I really didn't know what I was doing at the time, but it was more of a spiritual practice for me. Mm. And then I started graduate school at Princeton for theology. And while I was there, I um, got involved uh, with the yoga community there. I was working at the Lululemon there. And so I got free yoga classes. And so I was going to yoga like all around town. And that's when I really fell in love. So it's been over a decade now of practice and of teaching and it's completely changed my life. It's changed my body. It's changed my mind. It's changed my relationships and even just the important people in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, I can so deeply relate to that. Yoga is a big part of my path, as you know. And as many of the listeners know as well, you know, yoga is is the why behind it all, right? The philosophy behind it. Um, so I, I deeply relate to you there. And it's there's something to it, right? That it really opens opens you up in such a new way and everything gets transformed and purified and and altered. So I'm, I'm grateful that you have found this gift and now you're sharing that in the world. Yeah, it's been such a a healthy transition for me going from a competition based life through basketball and sports and and everyone can relate to that even people who aren't uh, athletes, so to speak, Uh, you just feel like you're always trying to match up and so the practice of coming back to my body and really turning my attention inward. It's definitely a life-changing practice and journey. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. If you haven't tried yoga yet, get out there, reach out to to someone who may be supportive for you because it's just deeply beautiful for the physical body. If that's, that's your main focus, but get out there on that mat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So Rachel, I am worthy, right? Where did take us back to when this seed of the book was planted? Was there a moment in time where you felt you were going to write this book? Yeah, I started, which I talk about quite a bit in the book, a deep healing journey. It's probably been about three years ago now. And when I first started down that path of kind of childhood regression work and then just pretty deep therapy and counseling it, as it always does, um, kind of trudged up a lot. It stirred stirred the pot. (laughs) And I had done quite a bit of writing in college, so I knew I loved to write. But after I started this healing journey, uh, poems just kind of poured out of me. It was like I had to write them down, and they would be on like envelopes and napkins and like random notes in my phone and just all over the place. And I started sharing the poems on social media as, I don't even remember why, it was just like a healing outlet at the time. And they attracted a lot of attention. And then I would see people around town and they would come up and be like, oh my gosh, like I can relate. And they would open up and like 
tell me their story just from these like two paragraph poems. And so that's when I really started to think that maybe I had more to share and could somehow create a book, but I kind of sat on it and talked myself out of it as we all do so well um, over a couple year period. And when quarantine hit and I had no other option than to be at home and not really work, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this book. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, so then it was, so it took a couple of years, right. For you to actually get to the place. It took life shutting down for you to get to the place of writing the book. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I always say that I feel like I fell apart when the world fell apart, but then also it was a rebirth, I think, for myself and for humanity as a whole. And so it was just perfect timing for me to really be still and to fully turn my attention inward without distractions or as many distractions, at least. Yeah. And can you take us back to that span of time in between, you know, when you were like, maybe this could turn into a book and those thoughts that made you wait until, you know, life forced you to write this book? Can you explain to us a little bit more about like what you were feeling during that time? I knew there was a book in there. Um, I was going through a lot of self-realizations at that point, just about my own personality and myself as a woman and myself as a daughter and as a wife and as a person who was definitely a people pleaser. And I was trying to figure out what boundaries even were at that time and what they looked like and how to create boundaries that were a little bit more like a shield of light instead of an electric fence. <laughs> and I'm not sure I was so good at that at, at that time and I'm still working on it now, but I would say that I was, I was hurting um, and I was lost, but I was working on it and I was trying to figure out how to make my marriage work and how to create a life that was going to make me happy. And so I had a lot going on. So it's not like, I, I think I knew that a book was coming, but it was like that not there yet feeling like more needed to unfold um, before I knew exactly. Cause at that, at that time, it was more about like grief and healing. And there was still quite a bit of anger is like a go-to emotion for me. And so there was still quite a bit of, I don't need help. I can do this on my own. Um, there, was, there was a lot of anger that, that still lived there. And I think I really needed to, to feel that to get to where I am now and to get to a place where I could write the book from my true like heart, from my tenderness rather than from a place of hurt and anger. Mm, yeah. And that's so, so important, right. To not be in that reactive space, especially when you're writing and birthing a baby. I love that you said that you just simply knew that the book was coming. Right. And I think that's something, especially for people who maybe want to write a book, right. 
And for some people who are super fiery and they're go-getters, they're trying to force the book to come out. But sometimes just that knowing that seed being planted could be enough, right? And then it took, it could take a couple of years for the full thing to actually come through. So never kind of deter the importance of an intention or a seed being planted because that's where everything comes from. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love how you said that, you know, writing from that place of tenderness, because that is so important that our books don't become just a bashing of our life or people that have come across us, that it actually becomes as best as we can, right? An embodied truth of who we are, ra- rooted in our center rather than rooted in like our right hand. And we're all out here and like, you know, not, not coming from that center point. Yeah, exactly. I, it's been very, I mean, over this entire like three year ish journey of really deep reflection and healing, it's been one of my main focuses to really take ownership of my life. And the fact that my life is a mirror of my own inner landscape and what I'm creating out in the world. And that's always a work in progress for everyone, I think. And it's nuanced, of course, but yeah, it, it needed to, I needed to go through kind of that process of, of humility to be ready. And the mirror, right. Sometimes it's like, all right, put it down. Like, I don't want to look at it anymore. (laughs) Like stop teaching me all this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) so this book is a mirror of your experience am I right yeah it is yeah it is and I think it it gets truer the further along the book goes those original poems that I wrote are scattered throughout the book which is really cool because those I believe they're dated date back to like 2017 or 2018 so I really take people along the journey with me of my writing, but then also just of my healing and my growth and my own embodiment journey. Absolutely. So what is I Am Worthy all about? We spoke a little bit about like the process, but we haven't really even just mentioned like, what is this book really about? Yeah. So I mentioned that I started writing in quarantine last year, I was like, I'm going to write the damn book. And so I started writing and I just kept writing and I made it a thing most days uh, that year that I was going to write. And parts of it, which I write about uh, as were for the entire world, parts of last year were dark for me. Um, And I experienced quite a bit of grief and quite a bit of depression. And I just really didn't know how to work with that. And I was trying to let myself feel it. And um, I was just kind of sinking some days. And January of this year rolled around and I was like, I just have to do something different. Like I've got to do something different and get myself like out of this hole and out of this darkness. And so I signed up for actually a coaching program, but I really just wanted to, I wasn't even signing up to become a coach. I just wanted to heal. Like I just felt like I wanted help and I wanted sisterhood and I wanted 
guidance around my business. And I really just wanted personal healing and I wanted to reconnect with my light again. And I had a breakthrough day call with her. Her name's Aria. I write about her in the book a few times. And I realized through that first call with her that everything I kept saying I wanted was a way motivated. Like I, um, what kept coming up was not feeling enough and not feeling like I could trust myself. And it was just like all these knots and all these like away motivated things. And at that point, I didn't even have the title of the book figured out. But by the end of that day of working with her, I realized like how I'd just been running away from everything that I didn't want my whole life. And my goals were like to not feel this or to not ever have to do that again or to not ever feel that way again. Mm -hmm. And just a major shift happened in me where, you know, you hear affirmations and sometimes they're kind of like cheesy or mantras can be cheesy or whatever. Uh, but I am worthy came through during that call and I continued to meditate and use it within my own like subconscious work for the weeks following that. And it quickly became apparent that that was my process of going from shame, which I open up the book with to worthiness by the end. And it's been my journey of running from all the things that I no longer want to now stepping into what I want and knowing actually what I want and declaring it as such rather than, well, not this and not this and not this. It's like, what's actually going to please me instead of everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> that phrasing of what I want, right. If you say, I don't want God universe or subconscious really right it doesn't understand that double negative so it just kind of makes it the positive so when you say I don't want debt right what you're really saying to the subconscious is I want debt yeah (laughs) and that reinforcement then keeps bugging bogging and bogging you down if you're always saying that unworthy shameful internal language to yourself right and you're like I don't know why it keeps happening um so I love that. That was, I don't love that that was part of your shift, but that, that was part of your experience, right? Because that awareness and just sharing that is so important and such a beautiful reminder for anyone who's listening that watch how we are speaking to ourselves. Yeah. When you, when you start to drop into, I don't, can you reframe it? I actually did this like two hours ago when I was making lunch, I was saying, I don't, and I'm like, wait, no, but I want this. Right. So it's just that simple catch. Um, I just wanted to add that in. Yeah. Yeah. Even changed. I believe initially chapter one was I am unashamed and I'm like, no, like that's still giving shame power. And I just totally revamped all the chapters and the title and hopefully the languaging throughout too, because like you said, it's, it rules your life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And is, is this experiential for the reader? Is there something for them in here that they could go along with you? Yes. So at the end of each chapter, there are journaling prompts and those prompts are ones that I personally used throughout the past three years and have brought me deep grief and deep realizations and reflections and also um, gratitude and joy and self-understanding and eventually self 
self-love, radical self-love. So it's my hope that through all of the journaling prompts that the readers will really get to know themselves on a deep level so that they truly, by the end, feel like they can get to a place where they believe and declare that they are worthy. And I also created a either video or audio practice for each chapter. So there's a link at the end of each chapter to an online course, which is free. And um, most of them are either meditations or breath journeys or like energy clearing practices as ways to kind of integrate after the deep uh, journaling and reading work. Mm, beautiful. That's so exciting for someone to be able to experience this with you, right? Because it's your path of remembering your worth and it's also you guiding others into their own or for them to ignite their process of reconnecting to their inner worth because it's a, a reconnection right how your title is a, re a remembrance and a reclamation it's something that's just innately ours we just need to remember it which is a lot easier said than done <laughs> <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yeah so I would love to read your chapter titles because they're so beautiful and just ask you a little bit deeper about that so chapter sure. one is I am whole. Chapter two is I'm in alignment. Chapter three is I'm ready to receive. Chapter four is I am awake. Chapter five is I am play, pleasure, and purpose. Chapter six is I am a mother. And chapter seven is I am a goddess. Mm, yeah. <laughs> is there one of, is there like a particular chapter in here that was your most pleasurable to write? The most pleasurable to write was the last one, the I am a goddess. I wrote that chapter in January and February of this year. And it was like, it was like the final cherry on top of like the last bits of integration I was waiting on. I had um, breast explant surgery on January 12th. And that was uh, it's something I talk a decent amount about in the book, and it was like a major, major turning point of empowerment and fully stepping into my life as the embodied goddess and just as the woman that I am today. And so I wrote that chapter, I think all of it after that surgery, and I was just in a very empowered, like highest self place. And, and still am, you know, with all the normal ups and downs, but that was definitely the most pleasurable, playful, like free flowing chapter uh, throughout the entire book. One of my good friends who was like, uh, uh, became an editor for me for a little while before I met you. Um, she, she was like, oh, I could just tell you were like fully you in this chapter. So I, that one felt so good. That's so beautiful to end it in that way as well. But can we just talk a little bit about this breast explant surgery? Um, I'm just super curious if you would like to dive into that. Yeah, I'd love to. Cool. So, so you of course got breast implants, right? And then you got them removed. What made that decision of removal come through? Yeah, so I had breast implants for almost nine years. And so I got them when I was 23, right before Dakota and I got married. And at that time, that was a very empowering decision for me. I was just kind of like, 
you know what? This is like my fucking body and I'm going to pay for these myself. And I'm an adult now. I'm a grown ass woman. And um, I do what I want with my body. It, at that time in my head, I, that was like a very empowering uh, decision and experience for me. And um, in some ways I, I did feel empowered by it. And I was really happy with them for a long time, but the deeper and deeper I went into the yoga journey and the closer and closer I got with my own body and with my soul, uh, over time, little whispers and nudges would sneak in that there was maybe more to empowerment than how I had felt up to that point. And I've also had over the years, um, increasing troubles with GI issues, um, irritable bowel syndrome, and um, e even just things like upper back pain and <clears throat> neck pain. And so there was always something in the back of my mind that wondered um, how the implants were affecting my body. Mm -hmm. And and even just my movement. I mean, I'm very active, as I mentioned. I do a lot of yoga, but I've also done a lot of running, run marathons and lift weights and that sort of thing. And so there was always just something in the back of my mind that wondered, like, how could a foreign object like be in my body and not being and not affect me? Mm -hmm. And here I am, a yoga instructor guiding people, mostly women, back to their bodies back to their breath, back to deeper levels of awareness. And it ultimately, you want it to lead to self-love and self-understanding. And um, I like can't just uh, talk the talk and not walk the talk. And so eventually I, I just kind of knew they had to come out and the, I, I wasn't sure if there was an issue or not. I had wondered because of some of my health problems if there was an issue. And the more I read about breast implant illness, the more and more I realized they were definitely probably affecting my body. I had a surgeon say, it's not if they will, but when. And coming up on my 10 year, like they say, every 10 to 15 years, you should generally have them replaced. and. And when I was 23, I'm like, oh, whatever, like 10 years is so far away, like 35 years old or 40 years old is so far away. But you don't think that like that could be five more major surgeries for the rest of your life that you don't even have to have that are just elective to keep them in there. And so, so many things played into the decision to get them out. And it was really scary um, and really painful at first. I mean, for, for the week that I was really coming to terms with it on a conscious level, because I think it was like the subconscious lingering for quite a while. And then when I finally, like consciously, I spoke it out loud to my sister, I think it was even on like New Year's Eve or, well, I don't know when it was, but when I said it out loud to her, I was like, Ooh, I think I've already decided. Like when I say something <laughs> to somebody out loud, it's like, I've already done all the thinking for 20 days leading up to that. I'm like, Oh, actually I'm ready like tomorrow. <laughs> so it was painful and it was really scary. And there, there was grieving as a part of that. But once I'd made up my mind, um, 
the rest was history. I'm like, nope, like I'm ready for this. I started openly like sharing with people about it, even on social media and got like a lot of me too's or questions and just like a huge outpouring of support and love around it too. So it's really been like one of the most empowering things that I've ever done now to get them out feels like a deeper layer of empowerment of true embodiment and and worthiness in my own skin yeah absolutely and I just wanted to reflect back I love how you said at 23 right that was the most empowering decision for you and then at 31 I'm assuming right you were um Mm -hmm. 31 right then that was the most empowering decision and like neither are wrong right yes it was just like your truth changed because you changed your level of worth your level of understanding of awareness changed so it's like not like hating the girl who decided to receive them it's loving that girl and saying she felt probably fucking hot with them and was like look at me I feel great and then after now 31, probably also feeling hot, feeling, wow, <laughs> as your title is now, you know, the title of your chapter is I'm a goddess, right? Allowing you to embody that further. And both are beautiful. So, you know, I just wanted to reflect that back to you. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the point really that I hope I portray well enough in the book is that there's no shame to any of it and all the decisions. It's, it's complicated and it's so individualized and what's empowering for me may not be empowering for somebody else. And sometimes like in my case, I don't know that if I, I don't know that I could have gotten here without having the implants first and feeling that in my body, in my spirit, in my soul. And then, you know, maybe I would have, I like to believe that I would have gotten here regardless, but everyone has their own path. And so there's no shame and it's not linear, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's a process to self-love. And, and I say that I'll always have two scars under my heart that remind me like how hard it was to get here. So. Mm, that's so beautiful. I just want to take a moment to receive that. Cause that's really beautiful. <laughs> <sighs> so Rachel, which one of these chapters was your hardest to write? Mm. Um, Definitely the, I am open to receive, I think, which is really a disguised way of my love story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was hard to write. It was, as we've talked about, it was raw and vulnerable um, and a lot of really, really heartbreaking conversations. And then also like empowering, joyful, like ecstasy conversations and experiences too. But it just uh, hopefully gives people a little bit of insight into like my husband and I have been together, I believe for 13 years now. And um it's a wild ride. (laughs) It's a wild ride. And most people really admire our relationship, like in our area, I think. Uh, And I just hope that this chapter sheds some light on what true love actually often can look and and feel like, Uh, because it's just not it's not the movie scenes. <laughs> not pink ponies and rainbows, if anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. And as I do, I know that chapter, chapter is 
really an expression of realness, right? And I think relationships in general, when we walk into a partnership, we walk in with all these expectations, rather, whether we are like really conscious of them or not, um, you know, whether it's like how often you have sex, how often you have a date night, how much like X, Y, and Z, right? It's like everyone else's perceptions, right? The movie, media, whatever, um, books that, you know, fiction books, um, it's, they create a negative connotation of, oh, it should be this way. And if it's not this way, then you're doomed or you're not happy or you're, you're not going to last. Right. And I think that chapter is a beautiful, um, mirror of, you can really make it through anything if you both decide to, um, you, if you're both, if you're both willing and there for it. Right. And the realness I think is just the key, right. That's something that they leave out in the movies is like, they leave out the, the real facets of it and everything has its season. Right. And that's equally as true in a partnership. Yeah, exactly. And what I feel has changed everything in our relationship and has just changed everything as a whole, which we've already touched on a little bit, but is the ownership like when I finally stopped trying to fix and change him and get him to hire the counselor and get him to do all the therapy. And if he could just do this, like when I finally could really start to own and embody my own understanding and my own healing, everything about him and I changed. And it's still like, it's a constant journey but I feel like in any kind of partnership, um, it's going to require that radical uh, ownership of self. And that's the only way it works. I think long-term is that each of us kind of owns our shit. And obviously we reflect our shit back and forth between one another. And that's just a part of it sometimes. But, but yeah, when I could finally like, let our love be about like me and my healing, then his just happens organically and we, we get closer every time. Yeah, absolutely. I also was the same way in my partnership. Once I let go that he needs to change, he needs to be different. Maybe if he did a little bit more yoga or meditated with me, then he (laughs) would be X, Y, and Z. Maybe if I force him to watch another documentary, he'll get it. Right. And none of that worked. Um, if anyone's wondering if anyone's doing that now, please stop because, or don't even stop, just, you know, take a look at how you are acting because how Rachel said that ownership is crucial because it wasn't until I took, you know, as Rachel was saying, it wasn't until I also took a look at, oh, how am I influencing all those moments, how I don't enjoy how he's reacting or if I'm not you know, so happy about a certain experience in our partnership, how am I also making that a negative experience? And when I realized that it was a lot of like, oh, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of disgust in there as well of like, oh, all right, that's actually how, how I am, you know? So it's just the work of removing the veils and constantly being like, all right, who am I in this moment and how am I showing up? Um, It's so, so important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think being in partnership, whether it's like romantically or even just friends, (laughs) partnership has got to be one of the hardest things 
in life and also the most beautiful if you can get past yourself <laughs> to get there. Yeah, I just had something drop through, whether you want to call it God, spirit, universe, right? It's like just God reflecting itself back to each other, right? So it's just like to have the fullest expression. I feel like that's why our partners and the people close to us probably trigger us and get us to see things the most because if you think of it in you know a spiritual sense or in a yogic perspective right it's just god having its own experience in these human forms and um yeah it's it's all part of the dance yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah Mm. So Rachel, I'm so excited that your book is out in the world. Um, so you, you came through my publishing house, Sanctuary Publishing. Can you give the listeners a little, um, you know, what was it like for you to publish your book in this way? Yeah. Yeah. So the getting to the publishing part, like I, I wrote the manuscript on my own, um, which I've learned is kind of uncommon actually. Um, it seems like a lot of people will even get help writing the the manuscript, but um, I did things backwards or maybe the hard way, of course, (laughs) but uh, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to self-publish or uh, the traditional publishing option just felt like a shot in the dark. And then when I learned about kind of this hybrid publishing process, I was like, oh man, like, that really feels like the right way to go because I need help. <laughs> like, I just really need help <laughs> and I need the support. And it's such a scary process anyways, especially if it's your first book. And with it being a memoir style, I, I mean, I've not written fiction, but it just, it feels very vulnerable. And so once we had our first call, I just knew that, I wanted you along with me for the ride. And I, I just knew like with every cell that this was the route to go and you were the person to, to get me there. And I just felt really held and seen and like you fully, fully believed in me. I could just feel that. And I really, I needed that. Um, I'd like to say that I don't need uh, out, out, like, out external validation, but I think uh, it helps. <laughs> and I really, I really needed that. And so you've given me that through throughout the, this journey. But I mean, it's really, this has been like the perfect process because you've helped with the marketing side of things and creating a platform to help with building the book and getting the book out there to more readers. And yeah, I, I really think hybrid publishing is like the future. I think it's the now and I feel like traditional publishing for most of us writers is um, in the past. It's just like, um, yeah, I think it might be on its way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that reflection. And this when, I, when this book came through and if you guys haven't checked out her book yet, um, go to the show notes and you'll see her Amazon link down there. The cover of the book will just kind of, that'll pull you in alone if this <laughs> podcast episode hasn't pulled you in yet. And that 
just that goddess energy was something that I just needed to further put out into the world because it's something I so deeply believe in. And that's something that's really deeply important for me. And I agree with you. I think the world of gatekeepers is over, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. learning how to jump over the, the gate or c- crawl through or, you know, pick the lock. We're all kind of like figuring out like, oh, this gate is just something that you put up and I could put, take it down. <laughs> so yeah. that's what sanctuary publishing is all about. It's about taking down the gate and giving the option for individuals to birth their book and to feel good about having their book in the world. And it's also why the sacred storyteller segment of our podcast emerge was one to have deeper conversations about the experience of writing because that's something that I think isn't often talked about it's like okay beautiful the book is out and then it's like wait but what was it like for you to birth this because it really is a sacred ritual it's a birthing process you can think of it as like a trimester type state right Rachel just gave labor and she has a newborn baby out not gave labor she just gave birth and (laughs) and now she has a newborn baby out in the world right so Thank you yeah. so much for, for, for diving into this and for saying yes to yourself in this way. Thank yeah, you are definitely my midwife. midwife. Yeah, I really have been doing this birth analogy with books lately, and I really think it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like the darkness of the womb is like the whole writing process. And then <laughs> we see your bright and shining face at the end as the midwife. We're like, okay. Maybe we can actually like bring this baby out here. <laughs> so good. There might be a lot more to come about this birthing process when it comes to writing. <laughs> um, but Rachel, how can people connect with you if they, they want to work with you? Of course, they can connect with the book, how I mentioned, but how else can they connect with you? Yeah, I love connecting with people on Instagram. Instagram is probably my favorite platform and I'm on there as the embodied I think it's the embodied underscore goddess (laughs) and but you can find me under Rachel Matz too I'm sure but Instagram is probably my preferred platform but I am on Facebook a little bit too if all you have is Facebook and there is a page on our fourth and market website so it's just um fourthandmarket.com and there is a page about my yoga teacher trainings and my international yoga retreats, but all of that lives on my Instagram page as well. Absolutely. And can you tell us a little bit about this Mexico retreat that's coming up? Yeah, sure. So it's in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it's November 28th through December 3rd. It's a five night immersion and it's in Zuitanejo, which is Southwest Mexico. So it's very different than like the Cancun, Riviera Maya. It's it's not Caribbean. It, to me, it feels like very authentic Mexico. It's like the deep blue Pacific water and kind of the uh, beige Costa Rican like sand and it's mountainous there and it's like rocky cliff sides and uh, the it's an eco luxury resort so there are little like thatched huts that we'll be staying in and it's called rooted woman so it's my first all women's retreat which I'm really excited about and my sister Melanie is going to be assisting me with this retreat as well which we haven't done before so I think um having we're very close she's my best friend and my sister too so I think having us lead will kind of provide a new flavor for my retreats 
and we're going to dive deep. She's a, a mental health counselor, so she's going to do kind of a, a self-dive workshop one evening. We're going to do some traditional Mexican ceremony. I believe we'll even have, um, I can't think of what it's called, like the the steam room experience. Do you know what I'm talking about? The hot traditional? Or, no, I, I'm not sure exactly. But anyways, there's like a cleansing ceremony that we'll have one evening and, and daily yoga, of course. But uh, I'm really excited for this like wild woman, archetypal immersion experience that will kind of mesh the Mexican culture, which I love so much with the practice of yoga. And I think it'll be a really beautiful sisterhood. At most women will say like, oh, I don't have a lot of female friends. And I was one of those women for like 30 years. And so it's like been my goal the past couple of years to like reconnect with my own femininity, but then also like with my girlfriends and with making like deep women connections. And so that's what this retreat is really about is connecting to the safety and the trust that exists within female friendship and, and sisterhood. Mm, so, so exciting. And how many spots are left? If someone, someone can grab it. I think for sure we have three spots left and it's possible I could squeeze in a few more. It's a smaller like boutique style place. So it, it will, it'll be a very intimate setting, which I'm excited about, but at least probably a handful of spots left, but it's filling up quickly. So yeah, absolutely. So if you are interested to learn more about Rachel and her medicine, you can go into her Instagram or Facebook. And then if you've been wishing, you know, for a beautiful retreat with genuine sisterhood, then the rooted woman will be a beautiful space for you to dive into before the year closes out. So definitely check those out. And those all will be down in the show notes, how you can dive into. And of course, check out Rachel's new book that is out. I am worthy. It's so exciting to have this baby out in the world. <laughs> Thank you for trusting me to help you birth it. And, <laughs> um, we end every sacred dance, con con we end every sacred dance, sacred storyteller conversation with, if you can provide someone one tidbit of advice on their writing journey, what would it be? Hmm. I think that it would be to just keep writing. There's a tendency to want to go back and like, like to try to formulate what you think might be a chapter and to go back and edit it and then edit it again. And before you know it, you'll spend like a year on one chapter and to just like, literally just like pour words out and get it onto your computer and just keep writing and let it be like, the roughest of rough drafts, like just get it all out there. And that's, I think, step one is like, just get the words on the paper and, and focus on the word count. Like I just kept shooting for, I'm like 60,000 words, like 60,000 words, maybe for a memoir. Like that's what I'm shooting for. And I'm like, I don't even know what was on the last 20 pages, but it's just like pouring out. So my biggest piece of advice is don't do too much editing or reading back through, like just keep going and, and things will, will come together just fine in the end. 
Mm, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's like the first trimester, right? Kind of let it all throw up out of you and then, <laughs> and then worry about how it's all going to fit later. But, you know, just take care of the the seed being planted and what wants to be coming through. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> You're going to make me want to have a baby. <laughs> Um, <laughs> real midwife I'm just a book midwife and thank you Rachel for being here thank you for everyone for diving into our sacred storyteller um, conversation today so thank you so so much yes thank you Annette for everything I really appreciate you of course I appreciate you too honey <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Sacred Dance. If you enjoyed the medicine shared here, check us back out next Thursday as there are new episodes released every week. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. Be sure to rate and review the podcast as you check us out so that we can grow and spread this community of balance, sovereignty, and everyone finding their own nuggets of truth in it all. Thank you and see you next week.